Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyberspace through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. We're back. Uh, we're here in our little group here in the studio, uh, the uh, True Oldies Station in North Palm Beach, Florida. But we're uh, broadcasting all over the place. We've got a lot of other ways to get to you, the channels, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Earl on Cars, and Facebook. i uh, love to hear from you. Uh, we love the phone calls. We've been getting a lot of phone calls. We love phone calls from the ladies <laughs> and the gentlemen. And we have a female advocate by my side, my co-host, Nancy Stewart, that is begging you, you ladies out there, to call the show. Got a real special offer for you. And in a few minutes, I'll turn the mic over to her, and she'll tell you all about that. But meanwhile, if you've got a chance, the show just started. It's a two-hour show. It's live radio, folks. That's about as exciting as it gets. I mean, I know live television or maybe even live streaming might be considered pretty exciting, too. But eh, talk shows, Um, live radio talk shows is uh, really something that... uh, is uh, there's not too many left, right? And there uh, used to be a lot of them. Uh, we uh, make mistakes. Uh, we uh, say things that we wish we hadn't said. That's exciting, you know. It's uh, also exciting the studio. That's the reason they have the disclaimer at the beginning of the show saying they're not responsible for what we say. So that's the reason we think uh, we're unusual. We'd like you to uh, tune us in. Uh, we do something that's outrageous. And, uh, you know, outrageous is uh, exciting. It's fun. Uh, and that's called a mystery shopping report. Uh, stay tuned. It's toward the end of the show. We're on for two hours, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Toward the end of the show, the last half hour, we uh, uh, have a mystery shopper that has been inside a car dealership somewhere in the United States. Uh, Pennsylvania, actually, today. And uh, we have a live mystery shopping report of a Kia dealership in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so Agent Lightning, that's the name of our, that's our, not the real name. <laughs> that's the undercover name of our undercover agent, Agent Lightning. I went into a Kia dealership in Pennsylvania and uh, pretended to buy a car. Uh, and uh, she didn't record Mentally, she recorded, then she wrote down everything that happened. We named the dealership, we named the salesperson, the sales manager, uh, everything, real live. Uh, and we do this every week, we've been doing it for 20 years. So if that is enough to get your attention, I, I, I don't expect you to listen to two hours of the show, but some people do. Um, I don't think personally that we're all that good, but some people do. 
But uh, we have a lot of information besides the mystery shopping group. That's kind of like, remember the old days? The old folks are old enough to remember the old double-featured movies. There was always a cartoon, sports, news. It's not, it's kind of spice up the, the show. So we, uh, the mystery shopping board is not only informative, but it spices up the show. The nuts and bolts, uh, the, the, the really important part of the show, is information. And we provide you with a lot of real-life uh, because we're car dealers, uh, in in disc- full disclosure, 100% transparency, we have a car dealership. And, uh, in fact, I've been a car dealer since 1968. Um, about 20 years ago, I, I reformed. I call myself a recovering car dealer now because I look back on the way I sold cars. Kind of shameful, actually. I even wrote a book about it. And uh, so I tell you how not to get ripped off by car dealers. But in addition to that... Uh, we tell you how to have your car maintained or repaired uh, without being taken advantage of it and, and also be accurate and, and be sure you take good care of your car, but not too good a care where you're wasting your money. So we have Rick Kearney, a certified diagnostic master technician. He's sitting immediately to my right here. And if you have a problem with your car, rather than go in blindly into some repair shop and say, uh, here's my checkbook, uh, I'll sign right here, fix it, put your name and uh, an amount in. I know you don't do that, but I mean, sometimes when you go in there and just say, fix my car, that's basically what you're, uh, you're doing. You'll be taken advantage of. Uh, call Rick, uh, describe your symptoms. I don't mean your symptoms, your car symptoms. And uh, does it squeak? Does it rattle? Does it roll? Does it smell? Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things that are strange about a car. The light's flashing. Why is that light flashing? And that, well, you, you know what I'm talking about. So describe that as accurate as you can. You can even send us an audio clip if you want to. You can send it to youtube.com forward slash Earl on Cars. And uh, Rick can uh, listen to it or send him a video clip. You'll watch it uh, or the description. And he can save you a ton of money. I mean, we've had a lot of people uh, call in very, very worried about their car, thinking about trading it in, selling it, or spending a lot of money on it. And Rick says, just don't worry about it. That's not a problem. That's normal. I mean, it's it's not going to go away, but if you can live with that tick, 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 it's not going to. So you might get really good news, save yourself a lot of money. On the other hand, it might be the other way. You know, that could be serious. You need to get it checked out. And you'll hear what Rick has to say. Really, really good information. Rick Kearney, and you can call Rick directly at 877-960-9960 or call me or Nancy or Stu, my son, sitting across from me, uh, and uh, ask questions about buying a car or leasing a car. 877-960-9960. Write the number down, please, if you haven't got time to call and if you're not driving your car. Uh, you write the number down and you're listening, you'll probably have a question. I mean, uh, everybody's got questions. We have questions. We learn from you. Um, we have a text number, 772-497-6530. A lot of people get a little bit nervous about uh, live radio. I don't blame you. So if you prefer just to text us, we might not get to it in the next 20 minutes, but we'll get to it before the end of the show, and we will address your text. And that text number again is 772-497-6530. I love the anonymous feedback number. 
And if I don't talk about it, because nobody else has this, I don't think, except us, well, that's not true. Uh, a lot of blue chip companies use this number or this URL. It's a web link. And uh, you get on this web link and you can communicate with us, ask us questions, you can attack us, you can uh, uh, swear at us, you can give us information, you can do anything we, we want, and we don't know who you are. It's totally anonymous. Uh, ultimate privacy. Privacy is the key word. That's a, that's, a, that's a buzzword, privacy. Not enough privacy. Well, we're giving you total privacy with your anonymous Feedback.com, Y-O-U-R-A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, Feedback.com, your anonymous feedback.com. And we will address those issues, and you can be as candid as you want. Some people use it just to ask a question, and they tell us who they are anyway. I mean, it's a good way to get through. It's about like a text if you don't want to be anonymous, but we cannot find out no matter if you, it, when you send it in, we don't know where you send it from. It goes through a screening machine of some kind that uh, uh, you couldn't beat it out of us because we don't know your name or identity. We don't know where you are, who you are. Youranonymousfeedback.com. Okay, I'm going to give that number out one more time because we prefer the number. Uh, Nancy Stewart, to my left, she monitors all the calls. They go through Jeremy in the control room, and they go on her laptop, and she sees who's calling, and we have a limited number of lines, about five, and so we address the calls immediately. So if we had a call waiting now, Nancy would tap me on the shoulder or throw something at me, and I'd look over at her, and she would put you on the line. So you don't have to wait that long. At least we're trying very, very hard. 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. And as I said, here's a very special offer for you ladies that are listening, if you haven't listened to the show before and you are female, you have a really, really cool offer that Nancy's going to tell you about right now. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Earl on Cars. You're going to have a ball for the next two hours and learn a lot, and we learn a lot from you. You are a big part of the show, and we thank you for joining us. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to start off with Earl's latest column uh, that you would most enjoy, and it's most common mistakes servicing and repairing your car. You can go to Earl on Cars, and you can read the column, or you can uh, find it in the Hometown News or in the Florida Weekly. So it's a great read as Always, and there are so many others on uh, that uh, website, Earl on Cars. Uh, ladies, this morning I have $50 for the first two new lady callers. Give us a call and win yourself $50 this morning. And, um, you know, some of the things that I talk about week in and week out is doing your homework. So important. Uh, because, unfortunately, walking into a car dealership with no plan in place, <laughs> it just leaves you wide open for potentially unsavory sales tax tactics. So uh, do your homework. Find out what you want, what you can afford. And uh, there's no place like 
Consumer Report to go to, first of all, and also Edmonds. You can go to Edmonds.com. You can go to Kelly Blue Book. Uh, there are just a lot of options uh, for you to take advantage of and to prepare yourself to purchase a vehicle. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And as Earl said, don't forget youranonymousfeedback.com. We're going to go straight to Howard, who's been holding. Uh, I think he's still there. Nope, he hung up. Okay, Howard, give us a call back. Sorry to make you wait that long. Uh, we're going to go to David. Uh, David is calling us from, let's see, where is he calling us from? He's calling us from Southern Arabia. He's calling Yemen. us from Texas. <laughs> hi, David. Welcome. Oh, hi. You talking to me? Yeah, yes, we got David. You. Thank you. Okay. You're in uh, Texas, yeah. huh? Uh, actually, at the moment, I'm in Florida. I, 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 I drive regularly between uh, West Texas and South Florida. Great. And I go through, you know, obviously Louisiana, uh, Alabama, and Mississippi, as well as Florida and Texas, and uh, all the way through Florida and all the way through Texas, because where I go in Texas, it's close to El Paso. And I'm hoping to buy a slightly used Ford pickup, and uh, I, I have some, you know, agricultural interest. Uh, not, not, I'm just a small timer, <laughs> just, 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 uh, you know, I do a little agricultural type of work. But anyway, uh, I was wondering: is there a best? I'm trying to get the best price, and uh, so I was wondering: is there a best place between those areas where I might look? Uh, uh, what, do you, what, what do you think, Stu? Auto Trader? I would think start looking on Auto Trader, but as far as okay. like the actual places that you can actually find in Texas, um, you know, across your whole route to Florida, it would be CarMaxes. Um, in our experience, when we have mystery shop uh, dealerships, they have priced their cars uh, more fairly than others. Uh, there's less games to play. Um, okay. And the fees, the junk fees, um, they might have a small one, like a $200 or $300 junk fee, depending on the state that they're in. But they're never going to um, mark it up. They're not going to bait and switch. So you're not going to waste time if you see one of their trucks that you see that you like online. Um, you're never going to show up there and they're going to you know, um, add about $10,000 to it or sell it out from under you. They're just trustworthy. Yeah, David, the cool thing about Auto Trader is you can put your zip codes in. Uh, yeah. as many as you want, and that way you'll be able to get uh, a Ford pickup, uh, late model Ford pickup, uh, okay. in the description that you want. So uh, you, what you what, what you want to do with AutoTrader is build a little list of dealers that have a, a truck uh, closest to the one you want. Then, oh. then you shop and compare the price. So that way you can go to dealer A and say, I can buy this Ford pickup truck at this price. Uh, if you can meet that price or beat it, and that way you get an, you, you can negotiate online on the, the you don't want to let them switch you to a different vehicle. Stick with a truck, you, a late model Ford pickup truck, and you know specifically what you need to have. And then that way you're going to get a good uh, competitive bidding 
uh, which is in your favor to get the price down as low as possible. Okay, thank you. That's uh, now. This is. Uh, I, I apologize for my ignorance, but Auto Trader. That's like yeah. Uh, if yeah, a that's website. a website. That's a website. It's, it's, you go to AutoTrader.com. Auto tra- uh, okay. Okay. And well, it's, really, it's useful because then you can look. It, it will list private sellers, dealer sellers, independents, franchise dealers, oh, okay. and, and so you can see all that. I, um, but as far as specific dealers in that area, I would go for an AutoNation or CarMax. Just any national okay. uh, a, a chain like that that has like a public company, they're less likely to, 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 to screw and I just had a thought because you told us about this long trip you take regularly. Uh, yeah. you, you could actually go to car, uh, timing, timing your trip in there. You could actually go to CarMax anywhere near, nearest wherever you happen to be. And uh, they're national, so they have an inventory all over the United States. And you say, this is the truck I want, and I travel from South yeah, Florida I, to Texas. I go, on, and, I go on the 10. I go on the 10. Yeah. Uh, I you know, go up to Jacksonville from South Florida, and then I go on the 10 all the way. Probably, you Delta. probably have 20 car maxes on all along I-10 <laughs> between yeah. there and yeah, El Paso. There, there, <laughs> yeah, you'd be able to find. Yeah. But see, the point is, wherever you light, wherever, you, wherever you're going to be for a while, uh, you can tell CarMax, okay, uh, I want this car. I'll buy it, but I'd like to pick it up here. That's uh, true. Yeah. And uh, so that would give you a huge advantage over most people because, uh, you know, the transportation and the, uh, uh, as long as you're sure you can take care of the car you're driving and they'll buy the car from you. Uh, so you can trade your car into CarMax there. Oh, I'm not selling. I'm just, I, I, I'll have and my wife. Okay. She can drive. Earl, do you think that uh, cars.com is also a great place to go? Earl? No, I don't. Th- I think CarMax would be a lot better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rick has got a point here that uh, he's been trying to make. <clears throat> Whatever place you happen to pick, try to find yeah. a, a, a local independent shop near there, and yeah. cut a deal with them to bring the truck over there and have them put it in the air and give it a oh. thorough inspection. Uh, okay. You know, get a, get a price quote for them as what they'll charge you for it. But any v- any used vehicle, yeah, a yeah. Carfax is a great idea. But get a good independent shop with some mechanics that have some knowledge and have them just say, hey, look, you know, slip the mechanic an extra 20 bucks or a 12-pack of beer or something, but say, hey, I, I really want you to look this over with a fine-tooth comb and yeah. you know, as though your daughter was going to drive it. That way you know right. you're going to get a quality vehicle. Okay. okay. Did we answer Thank your you. question? Yes, very much so. Well, oh, thank, thank you very much for the call. Good luck to you, David. Okay. Give us Thank a call you. again. Uh, we're going to go to Kim, who's calling us from Michigan. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. How are you today? Oh, we're great. Have you called right. before, Kim? No, no, ma'am, I have not. All righty. I have a great gift for you this morning. That is $50 for the first new lady caller, and you are the first. If you stay well, on the line after we're finished... Uh, and uh, talk to Jeremy in our control room. You can uh, give him your contact information, and he'll give it to me, and I'll mail you that check. Well, thank you. You're welcome. What can we do for you this morning? All right. So I have a 2020 Cadillac Escalade. I don't even have 25,000 miles on the vehicle yet, but I've noticed on the dash that, Sometimes when I'm driving, it says V4, and sometimes it says V8. 
So when I looked in the owner's manual, it says, well, sometimes it runs on four cylinders for fuel economy, and sometimes it runs on eight. Uh-huh. My my question is, how much wear and tear does it actually put on my engine? Because I would think that when it goes from eight to four cylinders, I'm taking away four cylinders of the power, and it's putting extra stress on the floor. Am I going to have trouble down the line about how much mileage? What's it going to cost? What damage can it cause? No, that that engine was actually designed that way, and the way they work it, they've they've got a system that when it shuts down that cylinder, it shuts off the fuel and the spark, so that those cylinders don't. They're they're really just kind of along for the ride at that point. However, they're still getting their lubrication. So you're not putting any harm whatsoever on the engine, and it really only shifts into that four-cylinder mode when you're like cruising along at a steady speed, and you don't need all that extra power. And it's it's a very interesting design, and it works pretty well actually. Um, yeah, it's kind of neat because when you're driving any car, all the power is needed just getting up to speed. Then you have momentum exactly. and inertia, and it takes very little to keep it going along. Yeah. Well, I was just curious. I don't have any. Uh, well, now you know that now you know nothing's going wrong with your engine now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is and, a Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> well, kidding. I mean, what does that mean? Does it is that a problem? Engine? No, no, I'm just picking on Cadillac. Sometimes we no. do that. <laughs> yeah. I used to listen to them. I paid about half price for it. Six thousand miles on it, so I can't complain. Now, now you're in you're in good shape with that vehicle. And one of the nice things about those Escalades, they hold a lot of resale value from what I've seen. That's They're, true. People love the Cadillac Escalade. Uh, there's, there's just something about that car that there's there's a very strong following of folks that love them. So yeah, like Jersey you know, Mike, <laughs> keep that thing in good shape, keep it clean and 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 tidy, and when you're done with it, you're going to be able to turn a nice penny off of that one. Well, you know, I already had somebody offer me way more than I paid for it. So I'm yeah, right see? Uh-huh. You're I in good shape, that. Kim. That's right. You're in the yeah. catbird seat. Definitely in good shape. Yeah. Sounds like you have a terrible cold. Oh, no. I just have a really deep voice, number one. And I've been on bed rest from a surgery Ooh. after 11 weeks. So I'm kind of like in and out groggy from time to time. Right. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so... Okay. Well, you sound great on the air. You're a little raspy, but it sounds oh, good. I, that's my normal voice. My, I've always had a kind of raspy lady voice. Well, that's great. That's very Kim, sick. thanks so much for thinking of us and, and giving us a call, and I'm glad that uh, we could share that good news with you. You've got a great car. Hang on to yeah, it. Yeah, I, I like that good news. All right, thank you. You all have a very nice stay, Saturday. Stay on the line and talk to Jeremy. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Give us a call again. We're going to talk to uh, Bob, who's calling us from Lake Park. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Happy uh, Washington's birthday weekend. Oh, yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, And I remember (laughs) when I was younger, when I was younger, we used to get off from school for Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday. I remember that Isn't that the truth? Yes, indeedy. They combined them. It was a tragedy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have another another horror story about a service experience. All right. A friend of mine, I have a friend of mine. I sent. Uh, he bought two cars from Mo- Monex, uh, uh, new, a Ford Ranger truck, 
and a Ford Edge, and they've had the they have had the vehicles for a couple of years. They live up in Palm City, so they're having a problem with the transmission on the Edge. And they they originally, because they live up there, they went over to uh, Essential Ford first uh, to see if they could you know take it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Stewart's son bought that dealership, by the way. And, okay, is that uh, when they, they changed it to um, from uh, Vantage to Essential? The name? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. This know. recently it was a name change, so I, I guess that might have yeah, coincided. Well, his, yeah, well, yeah, Stuloopy's son bought that okay. dealership up there. In Stewart, I think yeah. they are. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they told them that they were, you know, they really were all backed up. And so they brought it back here to Monix where they bought the vehicles. And uh, they gave them the same story. They said they only had one technician that works on uh, that particular issue. And they were, they had 15 other people in ahead of them. Is, it, was it a recall had, issue? Because that makes no, no, oh, okay. no. It's a transmi- transmission. Okay. And on an edge, uh, the vehicle's a few years old, and, uh, and and they had no loaner cost. So now they have to go out, and uh, they had to go get a rental, uh, and they rented something around here because his wife works over here on uh, PGA Boulevard. But my question is. Uh, is this endemic of all the dealerships? They don't have uh, people that can work on these cars. Well, uh, I have only one person that can work on transmissions at a dealership. Is that well? Is that that Rick and that well, te- te- technicians are hard to hire, and uh, yeah, that's not an excuse, but it's just a fact. And uh, you know, it's uh, more and more people now are deciding not getting into the trades, and uh, I guess. More and more tend to want to go to college and get a a white-collar job. But uh, it's very difficult now to hire skilled technicians. Now, uh, uh, the dealers compete among themselves, and one of the reasons why service prices are higher is because technicians uh, are earning more, and uh, uh, particularly the ones that are skilled. Today's cars are so complex that I call Rick sitting in my right here uh, in our in our studio. I call him a certified diagnostic master technician, but he's also a computer specialist. Uh, he's in school almost, uh, I say constantly, but two or three times a year. Uh, he has to get recertified, uh, ASC certified. Was it every three years or five years? Every five years. Five, every yep. five years. Uh, you know, let's put it this way: when you go to the doctor. Um, uh, your doctor probably got his medical degree 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, a lot of doctors, that's the last time they see the inside of a classroom. Now, you can imagine have someone, you know, operating on you that uh, hasn't stayed on top of research and operating techniques, anesthesia, and the rest of it for 20 years or 30 years. When you go into a, a dealership, uh, if you use an ASC certified technician, he's had to go to school every three years to recertify him in whatever especially was. You mentioned transmissions. Uh, if you go to, um, uh, you, so you, you see where supply and demand goes. Bullnecks obviously is having a problem finding a guy that's ASC certified in transmissions and therefore the, the weight. So, uh, not true of all dealerships, but I wouldn't I wouldn't beat up Mullinex too bad on the fact that he didn't have rental cars or loaner cars available. Most car dealers don't. We don't. I if I get 
one complaint more frequently is because I need a loaner car. They didn't have any cars. We try to find one even if we had to take a used car or a new car and loan it to them. Our rental car fleet, you know, we've got, what, uh, 30, 40 cars on that, Stu? Um, yeah, about 45, 50. So we have 45, 50 cars, but they're all out. So we don't have right, cars right. on. I, I, I get it. Yeah. But, but my, my question to you is, in this type of situation, uh, I guess his his only recourse is to take it to another dealer. Well, yeah, because he can't take it to an independent person because it it's has a warranty right. job, right? Yeah, and so also it's to- it's very common too, like you know, for like some jobs. The reason I asked if it was a recall because some like recall jobs will specify the techni- technician's training level, and you, you won't. And there might be one guy in the shop that could, that's qualified to do that. Depends well. on the size of the shop. Um, but yeah, what everything Earl said is um, just is right on the money. But um, it's kind of tough. Just find another uh, another dealer that's got a, a better um, situation, more techs. Right. All right. Did you ever hear back from uh, uh, Mr. Rubio or Mr. Scott on your uh, challenge there mm-hmm. to come up with a? Unless it happened uh, last night and Earl didn't tell me. No. Yeah, frankly, we didn't expect it. Uh, I would be, you know, it's just. Uh, uh, Politicians, uh, they're not going to go on record with anything that's going to cost them votes. And uh, they have a, a base that they uh, appeal to. They say whatever they have to say uh, to get votes. And uh, that's the way it is, the political system. And then after I, after I beat up our political system, I say it's the greatest one on earth. And it is. So it's like everything else. There's no perfect uh, anything. You just want to find the best. So we got the best, but it's not good enough. And uh, right. I, uh, uh, I, <laughs> I can't believe that. I'll probably gonna. I probably should keep my mouth shut here. But we got a presidential election uh, going on between two losers, and uh, right. it's embarrassing to me that we have to uh, elect uh, the best of the worst. It'd be nice if we if we had a system, but we don't. Uh, that allows us to be more careful in who we select to be to hold political office. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, and, and then I got to go that before I get attacked by a lot of people. I, I know we have the greatest system in the world, so uh, it's good, but we need to improve it. I was thinking, considering that they they are doing this in the uh, Texas uh, courts, maybe you should offer that challenge to Ted Cruz and Governor Abbott. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. I'll, uh, uh, you guys have a great weekend and enjoy uh, the holiday weekend. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. We're going to go to John. Uh, first, I'm going to give out that number again 877 960 9960, or you can text us at 772 497 6530. Don't forget your anonymousfeedback.com. We have a long list of politicians that we haven't heard from. Ashley Moody, Governor DeSantis, Rubio. Well, maybe somebody will prove us wrong. What do you think? We're going to go to John, and he's calling us from West Palm Beach. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning. Good morning. The, uh, I wanted to respond to the lady in Michigan about the Escalade. Um, I had a 2003 Honda Odyssey with the, the variable engine, the EcoBoost, mm-hmm. uh, where it dropped from six cylinders to two or whatever it was. And no problem whatsoever. The greatest van I ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved that Honda Odyssey. 
Well, good. I'm glad she, I hope she's listening. <laughs> she seemed a little nervous. <laughs> but after 75,000 miles, uh, the engine mounts had to be replaced. And they told me the reason why the engine mounts had to be replaced was because when the engine uh, made the transition Jolted. from 6 to 2 or whatever, you had the vibration in there. And when I think engine and motor mounts, I'm thinking tube because it's old school, back in the 60s and 70s. Well, the Honda Odyssey has six engine mounts. Two of those engine mounts are like great big round rubber seals and has ball bearings in them, and that's what would take up the vibration uh, or the transition from the 6 to 4 to 2. And those came in. Now, when I bought motor mounts, they were like $6.50, and I only needed two of them. This, I had to replace six of them. Two of the motor mounts were $750 each. That's, that's the only drawback. And, wow. I, and I tried. It's like they it did that say, for hey. the dealers. <laughs> yeah. Well, the well, we took it to Independent who changed it for us. Uh, I, didn't take it, I didn't take it back to the dealer because it was already out of warranty. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, and that's a job that I wasn't willing to tackle on my own. Um, so anyways... The uh, I don't well, real quick are, they, are these are these that uh, were the Odyssey motor um, mounts were they this like the same you know as as in traditional ones or is any are they specialized there was a reason that I mean no, just those two the other the other four motor mounts were just you know connected to the frame okay and that but the those other two motor mounts that it, it was like a wheel bearing and had uh, like a rubber seal on the inside with three ball bearings mm-hmm. type thing. You know, and those wore out, and those were very expensive to replace. Okay. And I, I tried to get it done under warranty work, but they said, hey, you know, this is just, it's not. And I don't know if they ever resolved it or if they ever had some way of fixing it. or Because, you know, if I replaced the motor mount, it was because, well, you know, it, back in the 60s and 70s, because the engine broke it because it was twisting. Oh, yeah. Uh, is the way I drove it. And uh, so, anyways... Uh, that, that was, if, if anyone that's listening, if you have one of those variable cylinder engines, it's very possible that you could you have problems later on. Later on. And that's what I was told because of the transition okay. through the things. But anyways. How long, though, I mean, did it t- take to get that point? Uh, it, it happened at 75,000 miles. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right. Got it. All right. <laughs> And the and the van would have went another 150, but we we wanted a new vehicle, so we you know otherwise it was still kept going. It, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Thanks, John. That's really cool. You know, some of these things with the cars, um, like the um, like that two, that four to cylinder down, or the you know like that eco boost and the and the smart stop that stops when you're there. It's it's strange for people, you know, the, the idea that you can tell the computer to turn off a couple of cylinders or stop the engine altogether and then start as soon as you touch. It's very new stuff, and, and a lot of it is kind of uncomfortable and, and feels weird and makes weird noises in the car, and I hope they do improve on that sort of thing. That start-stop feature to me was, I, I understand the idea behind it, but in practice, in the real world, yeah. that is such a horrible feature, yeah. and the fact that the, the starter... And the battery both have a lifespan that is programmed into the car, and they have to be replaced at a certain time. And it will actually give you a warning that you have to. There's time to replace those, and they're expensive. They're two or three times 
the cost of the parts for a normal car that doesn't have that feature. Sounds like the motor mount issue. Yeah. Yeah. I smell conspiracy. De- definitely. Hey, John, thanks for uh, giving us a call this morning. You're welcome. All right, see you later. See you, Thank John. You. Thanks. Here's, a, here's an interesting uh, thing on the Cadillac Escalade. I'll hold it up for you people streaming it. Uh, it's funny how cars can have Emotion. poor reliability but the owners love them. And it's cars are an emotional thing. You love your Escalade, but reliability-wise, it ain't so good. Uh, it's There's a lot of cars exactly like that. Uh, the number one uh, car in people love more than anything is a, is a Corvette. Well, the Corvette is not that uh, reliable compared to a lot of others. So uh, when you buy a car, it's 50% emotion and 50% yeah. Well, you love your Model sense. S, your Tesla, and um, but you talk regularly about some of the issues you have with it. Exactly. You look yeah. past it because yeah. Yeah. the cool thing about it is really cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I got, you'd be surprised. There's not a day goes by. Nancy and I this morning had a problem with a Tesla. Uh, the other day, uh, we couldn't get a window down. Well, the reason, we, the reason the window wouldn't go down is because we've been inside a building and we left the car in the parking lot and we had it in doggy mode. We got back in the car and uh, uh, we wanted to put the window back up and the window wouldn't go up. Well, it won't go up when it's in doggy mode. Uh, you can't move the windows in doggy mode. Can you just tell the car to go out of doggy mode? <laughs> no, I didn't. I mean, I, can you vo- I, voice you can, control? You, you, I think you probably can. Yeah, yeah, you can do a lot of voice controls. Yeah. A lot but of voice the, control. The point being that you can overcomplicate a car. You can make a car that will do a whistle, uh, Dixie, yeah. and uh, and tap dance if you want to. Well, <laughs> but if you make it too complicated, it won't get you from here to the, no. the Walgreens. No, I, I, I got, I've talked about I have a, a Sequoia, yeah. a big SUV. <laughs> and it has all these different modes like crawling over rocks and this load sensing stuff and there's buttons all over the place and I hit them all the time when I'm like putting drinks in my cup holder car will start beeping lights will start flashing and I'm like I hope something bad doesn't happen the display screen I've got (laughs) is absolutely amazing it shows all the cars in front of me, all the cars in back of me, all the cars to the right of me, left me, they're moving around. They differentiate trucks, pedestrians, pylons. It's, Motorcycles, it's bicycles. Like a, it's like watching a movie, and you can become mesmerized by the You should watch sc- the road. It, right. You can become mesmerized by the screen. So, anyway. Yeah. And uh, you know the trunk on the Tesla can be... Uh, popped easily, yeah, right? Too easily. Unbeknownst to us. <laughs> uh, but I, I have a certain way to close that trunk easily. Yeah. And don't, don't, well, if I tried it, it would crush the trunk. <laughs> Let's put it that way. She sits on it, folks. She sits on it. All I have to do is just sit on it, and it closes. Very easy. You're talking you know about what? the frunk, by the way, not the trunk. Ah, the funk. The funk. funk. The funk. Yeah. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, pick up that uh, latest edition of uh, Mystery uh, the uh, Consumer Report. I got the mystery shop on my mind. Uh, yeah, the mystery, this uh, Consumer Report is uh, really interesting. It's the uh, March edition, and uh, it has all the top-rated cars, SUVs, trucks, and uh, it also goes into some detail uh, as, as far as uh, the most and the least satisfying models in their class. Uh, so there's some great information there. Our number here, if you'd like to get in touch with us, is 877-960-9960. And uh, you can also text us at 772-497-6530. Take advantage of youranonymousfeedback.com. Now back to the recovering car dealer. 
Okay, I just I want to give you a name that you've heard on the show before. It's a Chinese company named BYD. BYD. And uh, we've talked about it. They're a very, very significant electric vehicle manufacturer. And there was an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal this morning, uh, and it has to do with BYD aims to expand in the U.S. via Mexico. Now, regular listeners will remember we talk about BYD uh, being the number one manufacturer of electric vehicles in the world. Well, you're going to say, well, I thought that was Tesla. It used to be Tesla. Uh, it isn't Tesla anymore. So Elon Musk is hearing footsteps. Very exciting. Now, we don't have any BYDs on the roads here because there's a 50% tariff that the United States charges on any uh, cars coming here from China. So uh, they can't compete. So Elon Musk has immunity. Uh, BYD is, is killing him in China and other places. So um, actually, he has gone on record now as saying BYD is a major threat to all auto manufacturers in the world. <laughs> we got to stop BYD. Now, um, uh, if they open a plant in Mexico, they, they avoid the 50% tariff. They still have a very small tariff that Mexican cars built in Mexico have to pay, but a lot of U.S. manufacturers are using Mexico to manufacture cars because the labor's cheaper there. And, of course, labor's cheap in China, too. But uh, BYD can have its cake and eat it, too. They can have cheap labor. They can build a car that is outselling Tesla, electric vehicle I'm talking about. And they also can be competitive now uh, in the United States. So uh, remember, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, if you're thinking about buying an electric vehicle, uh, but you're not quite ready, be sure... Uh, when the time comes when you shop around, check the BYD out because we'll probably have them uh, in this country in another couple of years. Not yet, but yeah. hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah. we don't go to war China. I, I mean, that's a huge tariff, fifty <laughs> percent. Yeah. No wonder you can't. I mean, and and uh, and Elon Musk is building Teslas in China with no tariff, and uh, so it, it's uh, it's going to be. Uh, I see. It's your best friend. It's called competition. It's like. Where would General Motors and Ford be without each other? Uh, where would uh, one time I would have said Chrysler. Now I'd say Toyota. Toyota, Ford, General Motors. Uh, thank God we have those three manufacturers selling cars here because competition keeps everybody honest. Competition keeps the prices down and it keeps quality up. So competition is a consumer's friend. Yeah. The, uh, during uh, Trump put a 27.5% tariff on Chinese-made cars. And then in the next administration, Biden's, they, they toughen that in the Inflation Reduction Act. So mm. it might be a while before you can get an affordable one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get a really expensive one. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And I was reading where China's BYD outpaced Tesla in total electric vehicles sold. And uh, Elon is—he's uh, not worried about it. Okay, Rick. I've got one here that I think is going to interest you. Um, whoop! I just—where'd it go? Ah, sorry, I suddenly minimized my window somehow. <laughs> okay, uh, this is from Donovan. He says Shell, Shell Oil Company, last week closed all 
of their hydrogen fueling stations abruptly and permanently. After these closed, there are just 47 stations left and about half rarely have the hydrogen fuel. This apparently is California. A lot of Toyota Mirai and Hyundai Nexo owners are now really not happy because they're struggling to find fuel for the vehicle they bought. Yeah. A lot of them say that Toyota and Hyundai need to buy back these vehicles because they were sold something that they cannot refuel. It's another example that hydrogen may not be the fuel of the future for consumers. Hydrogen has gotten very expensive over the last 18 months as these problems have come in. Today, it costs about $150 to refuel a Mirai. And he goes on to say, uh, let me get down to this next section where he's got, he says, uh, speaking of BYD, BYD will be the largest automaker by the end of the decade, he's predicting. Yes. They're going to build in Mexico, and they're already a top seller in South America. BYD has their software development in California. They're not stupid. They make some of the best batteries and make a very good product. That's where they started, yeah. He personally drove a BYD SEAL in Europe, apparently one of the models that they have. I got to say, and Donovan has been like right on the money with a lot of his information. So this could be something to really watch for. Yeah, uh, the I think the CEO is named Wang. He's he's uh, uh, Chinese. He's uh, uh, a scientist by education, scientist and engineer. And he he was building this amazing battery, the best battery in the world. That's what got uh, uh, Warren Buffett uh, interested in in BYD. And Warren Buffett, as you know, is probably the greatest investor that ever lived, and uh, and also probably the richest investor that ever lived. And he bought uh, BYD uh, stock um, years ago, 10, 12 years ago, uh, when they were just a battery manufacturer. So they decided, well, if we can build these great electrical batteries, uh, then Wang says, uh, let's let's try to build a car. So he built a car, and they laughed at him because it was kind of a piece of junk. But he kept on persisting, and now he's got something that's going to possibly knock Tesla right out of the saddle. And, and the he cars, might just get the whole world on, on his yeah. side. And the cars are cheap. They're small. It's a good strategy. Yeah. <clears throat> competition, competition, competition. Thanks, Donovan. Donovan always has a lot of information to share yeah. with us. Yeah. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We have our regular caller online from Jupiter Farms, and that is Frank. Good morning, Frank. Well, good morning to you all. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to hear your show and have a Saturday morning. Oh, thank you. Listening. Um, This last week, we went in to have the wife's um, SQ5 Audi has two years service, which included an oil change and checking things out. Car has only 14,500 miles. And um, they're already saying, oh, by the way, it's an all-wheel drive. So here's our first question. It seems the front tires have worn out quicker than the rear tires, and they say, now we need to replace tires. Um, at 14,500 miles, I thought that was pretty odd. But for And the front tires were down to two-tenths of tread, while the rears had four-tenths. 
So anyway, um, is that indicative of all-wheel drive that the front tires? Because I'm not really sure how that. I knew like front-wheel drive tires sort of ran out quicker. Well, even with the all-wheel drive, uh, the front of the vehicle still got the majority of the weight for the engine and transmission, the way they're located. So when you're driving the car, that's where all the weight is. It's mainly under the deceleration that as you're slowing down, the weight of the car is coming forwards just by inertia. And of course, that's putting more force on those front tires. So it's not so much the acceleration or the continuous driving that's wearing on them. It's when slowing down is where you really get most of your tire wear occurring because that much weight pushing down on the tire while it's slowing down causes that increased wear. Um, have you been rotating the tires regularly? Well, I would have thought they did that during the first service, which was last year. But um, I don't believe they did. And I, I took it upon that, that that's what they do during one of these, you know, very expensive oil changes and things like that. Right. <clears throat> so, well, and they didn't rotate them this time either. Yeah, one, one, of the, for, one thing to, to bear in mind as well is when you get a car brand new from the factory, all manufacturers do this. They have certain tires that they get from the tire companies. Uh, they're ones that you cannot buy. They only come on the brand new cars. And they're a softer compound tire so that when you drive that car off the lot, it's like riding on a marshmallow. It's smooth. It's soft. It's comfortable. It's nice. And then you've driven the car for a couple of years. You got some miles on it. Now your tires are worn out. It's time to get new tires. And now you're looking at the price of those tires and you want the best quality for your money. So you're going to get tires now that the tire manufacturers have designed to get the highest miles that you can get. And they're a little bit harder compound. They don't ride quite as nice or smooth, but you don't really feel it because you're concentrating on getting the best bang for your buck on those tires now. So it doesn't matter that they don't, they aren't that soft, squishy, brand new car feel because the car's gotten broken in a little bit. Um, so the first set of tires are always going to wear out a little quicker anyways. But what I would recommend is actually, now this, this does bear in mind, the tires front and rear have to be the same size. And there are some few cars out there, the back tires and front are different sizes. As long as they're the same size, you can rotate them and just stop in at like a tire kingdom. And it's like 20 or 30 bucks to have your tires rotated. And by doing that like every three to 5,000 miles, you'll increase the lifespan of those tires quite a bit. Oh, okay, three to 5,000, yeah, okay, well. Yeah, you, you've, to do there, and, and Audi, of course, is gonna charge you an arm and a leg for their oil change and their tire rotations. Uh, they're very proud of their service. They're very proud of their people. And so they, and of course they, you know, they're Audi, so they want to charge you everything. Uh, you can go to a local independent shop and have that exact same work done at a much, much discounted price and get the same quality. Uh, talk with the shop, make sure they're using a good quality filter and quality oil and that they're going to stand behind their service and always save your receipts from it. So that way, if something occurs with the car in the future and you have to go in for warranty work, you can say, hey, look. I had my oil changed here, 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 here. I had these services done. Just because they weren't done with your manufacturer or your service department, they were properly done.
and that protects you in the long run. Okay, here's one more question with this, you know, checkup. They um, said the um, EFI, the engine on, I guess, the fuel injectors, yeah. it needs that cleaning service. And it said um, it needs. It says immediately it requires immediate attention. The system injects fuel into your, well, you know what EFI is. How yep. can how could that if I mean we're buying we're buying our gas at Costco, so I would imagine that that gas must be all right. It's not Shell Super Maximum Cleaning Formula, but is that something that could actually need cleaning that early in um, in a car's life? Costco is a top tier fuel, perfectly safe to use, and what I would recommend first is go, uh, look in your glove box for the manufacturer's recommended maintenance schedule. And if that EFI service is listed in there, that factory Audi says it should be done, then you should go ahead and do it. If Audi, the, the manufacturer, doesn't say it, it's the dealership just trying to throw some fluff on you. They're just trying to, to squeeze some more money out of you. Frank, thanks for the call. we got a couple callers waiting here, so uh, no if no we've problem. answered all your questions, we'll move on. You, you did. You all have a wonderful day. Thanks, guys. You too, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Have a great weekend. We're going to go to Howard. Um, Howard gave us a call earlier, and uh, we were unable to take his call. Howard, good morning. Thanks for calling back. Good morning. Nice uh, talking to you guys. Hope you all well. Uh, I know it's going to rain later on, but so far we can enjoy the morning. Uh, I have a question about about tires also. Why don't we used to crisscross tires? Uh, why don't we do that anymore? Radial tires, uh, steel belted radial tires, if you swap them side to side, you're changing the direction that that tire is spinning and it's very likely you will create a pull to one side or the other. Uh, we have cars come in all the time to the shop. They say, my car is pulling left or it's pulling right. And I go for a test drive and say, yep, okay, it, it's definitely got more than it should have for Rick, that road uh, crown. Uh, describe specifically what a radial tire is versus the previous uh, design. Okay. Uh, it used to be the, the body of your tire, you have the rubber tread, and then underneath it, you had these polyester belts, and then you had another rubber seal inside that would keep the air inside the tire. Those polyester belts were laid down basically in just a straight pattern, and when they switched over to what were called steel belted radials, they actually have them in sort of a crisscross pattern. And the tires will develop a set, and as you're as it's rolling, it'll actually begin to drift one way or the other. And there's also something that's called tire conicity. And if you were to look straight down on the on the tire, straight at the tread, although you really won't be able to see it one edge of the tread is going to actually be a larger diameter than the other. It's kind of looking down like at a cone shape. You'll, it's so minute you won't see it, but what happens is when we put the tires on your car, as you're rolling down the road, if both of them are cone shaped and going in the same direction, that, that pointed end, it'll make the car drift or pull. So we'll cross those tires, that reverses that cone shape, and quite often, we'll even switch the tire around on one wheel yeah. so that the two will cancel each the other radial, out. The radials are far better, though. And, and the car will go straight, yeah. yeah. Steel-belted radials ride a lot better. They, they are more durable for the road, but they do have that tendency that they can create a pull. So we have to set those tires up in a way 
that it will go nice and straight down the road. There, there is a full science behind it. Uh, but it's, it's always best that we rotate from the front to the back, back to the front. Okay, one more fast question about the Corollas. I hear there are two different types of Corollas coming out, and one has a seat that folds down, the other doesn't. I think it's called a Cross. Yes. Uh, Corolla. Can Corolla Cross that? is a it's a small SUV, uh, sport utility vehicle. So it's got the big hatch in the back, and the back seats can fold down to give you a lot of extra storage area. That's great because uh, I'm not going to be traveling to New York too much, and uh, I don't need uh, you know. I don't need a trunk because where I live, you have to have a trunk, otherwise you could break in. Uh, so that's that's good news. Thank you very much for your yeah, Howard. Uh, the uh, Corollas, boy, I'll tell you, they have really come a long way, haven't they? Oh yes, great car. And hey. just to mention on that, most of them do have a, t a small tonneau cover, so that when you have stuff stored in the hatch area. You pull that cover over, nobody can look into the window and see what's back there. Exactly. Uh, ladies, um, I uh, have $50 left here for the next new lady caller, and uh, I have a question for you. Um, did you um, understand your financing costs before you even went into the dealership? It can be very confusing, and uh, it's a good thing to look into, unless you're paying cash. Uh, so give us a call, 877-960-9960, and we're going to go to uh, John in Palm City. Good morning, John. Good morning. Welcome. The topic came up this morning of hydrogen. I have a question for Rick. Did you ever hear of an ammonia-powered car? Ammonia? Yes. Uh, some, that is a new one on me. Well, some ships and some trucks have already used it. Toyota and Chinese uh, motor company called GAC are experimenting with it. It uh, has a lot of advantages. It's carbon-free. There's no CO2. Uh, it's, it, it can be toxic, though. That's the one negative about it. And if it's deadly, if it's exposed in the air or in gasoline, liquid, it can be dangerous. But it is be experimenting with, and it is ammonia-powered cars. So I just want to mention it. Wow. You know, the negative is, though, that can be toxic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Toyota has some prototypes. I just Googled it. John, I'd never heard of an ammonia powered call, but that's uh, breaking news. Uh, Toyota is working on it. I'm a Toyota dealer, and I didn't even know about it. So it's, uh, with uh, the Chinese auto company called GAC, they're working on it together. So uh, hmm. I don't know what the future is, but I just happened to mention I mean, the mere thought of, of having a smell of ammonia when you're driving a car, I mean, that'll, that'll bring you down. I, I can't stand to be around ammonia, but uh, I imagine they've got it sealed in there so tightly, you probably don't smell it. But you know, it, it'd be a marketing challenge, you know, come in and buy the new ammonia-powered car. I just, <laughs> I don't see it. Well, for a while, when we had R12 in the air conditioning, a lot of companies were trying to get, and obviously the the government was cracking down on R12 because uh, of the ozone problems. They were trying air conditionings that had a propane-based gas as its refrigerant. And the problem that they found was most times when a leak occurs, it occurs in the inside in the evaporator core. So you'd have to worry now if someone lit up a cigarette inside their car, they could suddenly be driving a fireball. <laughs> I agree with you. I just want to mention fast 
tomorrow there's a big race, Daytona 500, yes. and there's new race cars involved with Toyota and Ford, mm-hmm. so it should be very interesting, brand new race car divisions of them, and um, if it's going to be rain, possibly, but they'll, they'll run it on Monday, so just want to mention it to me. Yeah, I, I like it better than even the Super Bowl, and it's held tomorrow. Yeah. John, you're an old guy like me, so we can uh, digress a bit to uh, Daytona. Uh, you probably remember that started, I think Daytona race started about 1956, 57. Yes. And uh, one of the early uh, uh, superstars of, of the Daytona 500 was Fireball Roberts. Do you remember him? Yes, I do, Earl. We were both in high school at that time. Oh, wow. Fireball Roberts really put Pontiac on the map. You know, my father started a Pontiac dealership in West Palm Beach in 1937, and Tom Pontiac was just a so-so car. You know, everybody else sold Pontiac. And uh, finally, uh, they decided to start building more performance cars. So Pontiac started building a couple of faster cars, and they'd get three two-barrel carburetors and uh, dual four-barrel carburetors and four on the floor. And then uh, they put one into the uh, Daytona 500. Fireball Roberts drove it and won the the, uh, Daytona 500. And from that point on, Pontiac soared in sales from nowhere. They were at one time challenging, at that time, this is how long ago, uh, Oldsmobile. (laughs) I think they got number two to Chevrolet. Uh, Pontiac was third in sales, probably from 14th to third, just because of the Daytona 500. And for many years, they were number three seller, Pontiac. Yeah. And you you bring nostalgia. My favorite car ever, ever, and I think you owned it, is a 57 Pontiac Tri-powered or, or uh, fuel injected convertible. Oh yeah, yeah, triple, uh, triple two barrels. Well, I, I had a, uh, I had a 1961, uh, four on the floor, uh, three two-barrel carburetors, and at that time I think I was the the fastest wheels on the road. I said I'm reliving my childhood now with my Tesla by being no. having the fastest wheels on the road. <laughs> Those were the days, my friend. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, John, did you see on um, the ma- mature men? that they interviewed uh, on the, uh, out at uh, Daytona yesterday. And they were no, talking a lot that. about Bobby Clark and uh, the good old days. I didn't see that, but it's the youngest people now that are drivers, if you looked at the, uh, the is, lineup. Yeah, exactly. It's the youngest people, I think, in history, which is great. Yeah. The youth is involved, and it's very important that uh, racing is for safety. Uh, a lot of things, seatbelts and all, have been developed. I used to remember when I was a young person, I went out to the stock car races, and in those days, the stock cars had seatbelts in them when nobody else heard of it, yeah. and they weren't uh, required by the automobile manufacturers. Yeah. Amazing. All right, guys. Thank Let's you, John. Let's go into the shopping report. Oh, thanks, John. Have a great weekend. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772 772- Four nine seven six five three zero, ladies. I do have fifty dollars here for the next new lady caller. Give me a call, and uh, you can win yourself fifty dollars today. And you can share some information with us, uh, and uh, we would love to hear from you. We're going to go to Brian, who's calling from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. First-time caller, been listening for a couple of years. Thanks for taking the call. Oh, thanks for listening. 
so I have a 2018 uh, Chevy truck and a 2019 Chevy truck, and both infotainment screens have failed. Uh, and speaking with many of my friends that also own Chevy trucks, there's got to be one out of every two. Unfortunately, I have two out of two uh, failures on the infotainment. There was a uh, class action suit that was brought and failed. So my first question is, what kind of makes a successful class action and why did this fail? Oh, as far as uh, uh, I'm, uh, what was the question? He's, uh, what makes a class action lawsuit when you've got a, a, a common failure in a vehicle? Oh, okay, okay. I'm and sorry. They, they had a class action lawsuit, yeah. but it failed. Yeah. Yeah, is it, yeah, what typically causes class action lawsuits to fail is you can't get enough people on the class action. You have uh, you, the, the, the court, the, the judges require that you have. Uh, a certain minimal number of people. I, for a long time, have been trying to get a class action suit against car dealers <laughs> for for hiding fees and adding them to the advertised price. Uh, the attorney general and the regulators won't do anything. They won't enforce the laws that are already there. So I talked to a class action attorney in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, he said, I'd be glad to handle the case, but you need to get me some people that will sign up a representative sample. Um, the lawyer himself is not supposed to do that. Uh, if a lawyer, uh, there's an ethics question with lawyers soliciting uh, a client. Of course, they do it anyway, but it's still, uh, apparently I had an ethical class action lawyer. He says, I can't do it, but if you will. So on this show, and I'll repeat the offer, I said, I'd like to do a class action suit, you lawyers listening out there, if you would give me your contact information, uh, we will put you on the list. I will give it to my attorney who will do file the class action, and uh, he will try to get you money back because on the, on the basis of all the people that had to pay, if you're in Florida, you probably paid $1,000 to $3,000 in hidden fees when you bought your car. Okay, so uh, the uh, class action lawyer would be able to get back uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, and that would be divided up among anybody that was hurt. But we can never get uh, class action lawsuits off the ground because people don't want to come forward and give them their name and say, I want to participate. Well, I'd definitely participate in a suit on this again, but uh, thanks for that info. And just a quick second piece, uh, being that the repairs are $1,200 a piece, um, I was going to do it myself. Who would you recommend um, for obtaining the infotainment screens from? So kind of secondary market. I, I think what they're doing is, is acquiring these and you send in yours and they send you someone else's that they've fixed. Is there anyone that uh, you would recommend to source the screens from? Well, as far as uh, for repairing your car, how do you, where did the $1,200 come from? Uh, who quoted you that? Dealers, yeah. multiple dealers. Well, for, the first thing is you need to get a, a competitive bids, and you need to get uh, uh, two other repair facilities, independent or dealer, uh, to uh, give you a quote. Uh, get the quote in writing. Uh, and the reason for that is that when they work on your car, 
Florida law says if the quote is in writing, they have to remain within 10% of the amount they quoted you. So that protects you there. Competition will probably bring the price down below uh, $1,200. Uh, uh, I would be sure that the technician assigned to your car, you, you should know who he is. Don't just take it into a dealership or a shop and trust the shop or the dealership to choose a technician. Tell them you'd like to know who's working on your vehicle and, and is he ASE certified? Um, and that's a, uh, Automotive Service Excellence. Automa it's a national uh, foundation co company. Uh, Rick Kearney, for example, sitting to my right here, he's ASE certified in all the different skills and he has to go every five years to be recertified and every five years, trust me, with technology moving the way it is now, it's like a whole new ball game. So you're, he's staying on top of the game. So get, get three bids, uh, get the court in writing, and be sure that an ASE certified technician qualified in that particular skill is assigned to your car. Well, thank you for that information. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Brian. Thanks for the call. Have a great day. You thank too, you. Sir. Uh, we are going to go to Dawn in Palm Beach Gardens. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to know, did you ever shop uh, Al Packer on uh, uh, Southern Boulevard? You know, we have, but it's been a long time. I, Al Packer has uh, been around for a long time in this market. Uh, uh, I remember... Uh, I don't know how long you've been here, but when he first started out in business, I'm going to say 40 years ago, uh, his son's in it now, and his daughter, I believe. But uh, when he first began, he used to do these TV commercials, and they called him Granny Packer, and he put a, an old lady's wig on, and it was uh, <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, 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 but we haven't shopped him in a long time. As I recall, the last shopping report that we did was pretty good. Uh, why, have you had an experience, Don, with yeah, uh, Alpacker? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I traded in an Expedition, a 21, uh, contemplating that I'm going to get a Cybertruck sometime this century, and I was wearing it out. So mm -hmm. I uh, <clears throat> bought it in there and, and ended up buying a new one, a 24 model. Mm -hmm. And I paid sticker price for it. I want to say it, uh, that their salesman was great. His name is Goody. Mm -hmm. The sticker price was what they quoted. Uh, the dealer fee was $500, which I didn't mind. Mm -hmm. And I got the full price I was asking for my 21 I mean, it was a great experience. It just took a while to... Well, that's great. Uh, I really appreciate you on that. We don't get uh, too many phone calls for probably obvious reasons, uh, commending dealers, but we we want to be unbiased. We, you know, we're not here to put dealers out of business to embarrass them. Uh, we're here to help you, uh, the consumer, find a good dealer. And when you find a good dealer, like Don did, uh, and his experience with Alpaca Ford in West Palm Beach was quite good. And so uh, that we'll, we will put Alpaca on our mystery shopping list to, to check him out, verify, 
And uh, we will also say, based on Don's recommendation, you definitely ought to compare uh, Alpaca Ford if you're going to buy a Ford. Uh, the recommended dealer that comes to mind for buying cars is Mullinex, although we've had a couple of calls from the same person uh, whose friends have had bad service experience with Mullinex Ford. But sales experience has always been excellent. So you got two Ford dealers, so you people out there thinking about buying a Ford and you're in South Florida area, check with Mullinex and check with Al Packer. And thank you very much, Don. Yeah, you might remember. I was the one that helped you buy, get your Tesla. I talked you into it, you told me one time. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the red one, your, your plaid. But anyway, uh, after I had this experience, bought this car, guess what happened the next day? Right. I got well, my notice from from uh, Tesla that I was going to get my cyber truck in six weeks. Very good. Wow. That's very great good. news. So I, I just need to hold on to that car another day, and I wouldn't have to trade it. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Don, thanks for the call. You bet. Okay. Thanks for all the information you shared with us, too. Uh, We're going to go to Rick. (coughs) (coughs) We're going to get some texts and some uh, YouTubers. Well, as our tradition is, we will start right off with Anne-Marie. She says, good morning. I was strolling down memory lane checking out old TV commercials on YouTube, and I came across this Midas muffler ad from 1975, where an old gentleman drives up his Ford Model A to get a new muffler under the Midas muffler lifetime guarantee. The guys ask him if he'll ever sell the car, and he replies that he wants to keep giving them the business. The ad prompts an observation and a question. Earl, you have a program for Tires for Life, where if a customer buys a car and has it regularly serviced at your dealership, they can get tires for life of the car. Under your tires for life program, what is the most sets of tires that a customer has received and on what vehicle were they driving? Thanks. Yeah, I I hate to say I don't know. Uh, What uh, typically we're replacing the factory tires which, uh, Rick, you uh, referred to earlier, uh, the tires that are on the car from the manufacturer are not tires that you can buy. So they might be called Michelins or they might be called Firestones, but they were designed by Toyota, in my case, and they, uh, the, to- the Michelin or, or uh, Goodyear or Firestone or whoever uh, uh, manufactured the tire to Toyota spe- specifications. So when we replace a tire, uh, we're replacing a, a tire designed by Toyota. Uh, and as you also indicated, the rubber is uh, very soft because, uh, and I, you know, I, I, all the manufacturers do this. They want, when you test drive a new car, and when you buy a new car, they want the softest, smoothest ride possible, so they use the softest rubber. Uh, that uh, You can say that another way, uh, if you want to be facetious, saying they don't care that you get as much miles on your tires as you should, but that's true too. It's a trade-off. If you want a real smooth ride, you, they need to get a tread wear index that's very low. If you want... Uh, a long wearing tire, you want to get a high tread wear index, which is harder rubber and it lasts longer. So uh, we replace the tires with tires that we check to see 
has. We, we, we focus more on long wear, partly from a selfish standpoint because we, we have to replace the tires because we're giving you free tires. So we, we'd rather see you get 50,000 miles on a set of tires than 20,000. Well, I can personally tell you from the shop that I have replaced tires on cars, several different cars, several different vehicles, usually Camrys, Corollas, uh, ones that people keep for a long time that are in the 200 to 300,000 mile range, we're still putting tires on their cars under the Tires for Life program. Yeah. So uh, basically that, I mean, if, if you keep your car for a long time, when you're under Tires for Life, you're going to get them. Oh, we, and, can't, we can't be doing commercials though. So I, pre- okay, but I appreciate that. She, that was just for, for <laughs> to answer her question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we've we've done some really long mile cars there. And let's see. Um, we've got one here from Steve Maggs. He says, Earl, in light of Ford's missteps, Ford Motor Company's uh, missteps, what are your thoughts about its continued ability to remain in business? You know, I, uh, I, I think... Ford is not the only one that has got a problem about remaining in business. I think, I think a lot of these companies that are call themselves auto manufacturers now will either go out of business or become something else. Uh, they may become battery manufacturers. They may, uh, may become software companies. Uh, cars themselves are, uh, are going to become a commodity. And if you look far enough down the road, and if you're a, a Ford or a General Motors or a Toyota or a Honda, you've got to look way down the road. I mean, uh, the average person, I mean, the, the average age uh, is, uh, what is it, uh, 75, 85? I don't know what it is now. So the average person uh, doesn't look down the road. You, you look during your remaining lifespan. Uh, if you're a company, uh, you're gonna look, you have to look 100 years down the road. So I think all the companies now that will be here for a while will be the ones that, that evolve. And uh, I think Ford, if, they, if, they, if they're going to make it, uh, they're going to have to be probably something like a, a software company or battery manufacturing company, electric vehicle manufacturing company. Uh, and if everybody decides they want to be an electric vehicle manufacturing company, guess what? Only the strong will survive. So it's going to be BYD, Tesla, and probably four or five others. Hmm. And okay, we're going to go back to the phones, and we're going to talk to uh, Bob. Thanks for your patience, Bob. Bob's calling us from Pompano Beach. Good morning. Good morning, guys. I enjoy your show, by the way. Yeah. I just wanted to let you know about tires. Uh, I got to one place in uh, town, tire place, for years. And last time I was there a few weeks ago, I have a uh, Mercedes S-Class. Uh, they replaced the tires. And he said, leaving the place, he says, oh, by the way, you need brakes. I said, oh, really? Okay, well, let me, you need them bad. So uh, I brought it over to the Mercedes, uh, it's a, it's a uh, uh, not, not the dealership, a Mercedes people that bring the car to me. He says, hey, you don't need any brakes there at all. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I mean, it really infuriates me because I've been going to this place for years, and I trust them. And, in fact, I just brought the uh, Corvette I have there, and um, my daughter brought her two Toyotas there for change tires. I don't know why they do this to these people. 
In fact, there's a something on there when I change the brakes last. There's like a sensor in each brake that lets you know when you're down, the pads are down to replace them. So I can't understand why they do that. Well, unfortunately, some places when they get a younger tech in, the technicians will look at the brakes and the shape of the brake pad can be deceiving if you don't really have a lot of experience and don't understand how to judge the actual thickness of that brake pad without disassembling the brakes to really get them out and see them it may look like that pad is like this the friction material is getting very thin but it's actually that the edges are curved right so it's thinner at the outer edges and right. thicker in the middle Right. So I that can be deceptive. That, that's one thing that can happen. And I really, unfortunately... I really trust these people. I mean, I really am surprised. Uh, I know the owner, and uh, he's on his way out, and his son has taken over. But uh, yeah. I suspect that's what may have happened anyway. Uh, one other thing. I went to trade in the car the other day and um, order a new one, a Mercedes. They said the S-Class in another five years is going to be all electric cars. Oh. Yeah, interesting to hear that. Electric cars are the seem to be the wave of the future, yeah. but it's just it's we're seeing some interesting little doggy steps as it's getting there. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a, it goes sideways every so often. It, it, electric vehicle sales are still growing quickly. They just aren't growing as quickly as they were a year ago. A lot of people are looking at the statistics and saying, "Oh, you were growing it." It was growing at 40%, now it's only growing at 23%, which is, I think, the number. Uh, growing at 23% is still pretty strong. So, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the buyers like me, I bought a Tesla just because I'm one of these crazy people that likes to have something new. Right, right, right. And, uh, but uh, pretty soon, uh, there was an interesting uh, survey done by Consumer Reports that 34% of the people in the United States have never seen a car. Uh, electric vehicle in their neighborhood. They've never ridden in one. Uh, they don't know I have a friend who drives one. So uh, more than a third of the people in the United States are clueless about electric vehicles. Once that happens, that's kind of what happened with me. I started seeing Teslas on the road, and I said, I wonder what that, that's like. So Nancy and I went by the Tesla dealership, and we test drove one, and whoa, they went, uh, the, the salesman took us out on a demonstration ride, floored it, and uh, I felt like I was uh, in a, a rocket on the way to the moon, and I just, I'm a kid at heart, so I said, we got to get one of these. So. Until you experience an electric vehicle, you're not going to buy one. And we still got a long way to go before there are enough on the roads where people can even see one. They're trying to, they're trying to trade mine in for, uh, I think it's called Equus S. The Mercedes has it now. It's the mm -hmm. electric uh, car they have. The mm -hmm. only trouble is I'm in a condominium, and I don't know where I'm going to charge this thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a challenge. A lot of people have that problem. And... Uh, uh, that 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 problem we solved in two ways. First of all, there's going to be chargers probably on every street corner before you know it, just like we used to have gas stations, and also the battery range is going to go probably to a thousand miles before you know it. And uh, if you got a battery with a thousand mile range, who cares about having a, a charger on every corner? Not right. to imagine quick charging. Yeah, and quick yeah. charging. Yeah, speeding. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, just wondering if the condo could get like a quick charger and. Yeah. Um, and Bob, here's here's a technology you mean, uh, Rick brought up the, f the first time. Uh, he probably uh, talked about this a year ago. Uh, in Germany, they have uh, 
uh, they have an underneath the road. There's a uh, call it a grid. There's a there's an inductance charger. So when you drive on that road through inductance with no wires, you're charging your car just by driving on the road. There's also uh, inductance chargers, very expensive now, too expensive in your garage. So uh, imagine being able to drive your car, get out of your car. Uh, go in the house, and while you're in the house, uh, uh, you know, and come back, it's already charged again. So, uh, charging and range, all these obstacles will be overcome, and and I pray I won't be here to see it. But uh, me, in 25 years, there'll be nothing but EVs on the road. Let me ask you a question: Is you 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 have an electric car? Yeah. Is it true that after like some people say, I'll charge it every night, I'll just plug it in every night? Does that weaken the uh, the, the uh, the uh, durability of the battery after a while? No, it's, that's what I thought, too. Years ago, that used to be the case. Uh, it's no longer the case with modern batteries. Uh, uh, the reason I pu- plug mine in um, every every time, I, I put, every time in the garage, I pop it in the in charger. Uh, it doesn't even begin to charge until midnight. And the reason uh, it doesn't charge till midnight is I've got a program, so I only charge my car when Florida Power Light, our power company, lowers their charges. So I save uh, a high percentage on charging that's just by very, charging at midnight. I heard that's a very, very, very good deal by yeah. FDL. But the trouble is, um, for 7000 I they told me I can have an electrician hook it into my, my um, what they call it, my, my uh, electricity, and just put it by my parking spot. I haven't do a parking. How much? $7,000. Wow. That's, that's they go and they they go to your meter and they um, yeah where my car is under uh, in, in, in inside garage and they they snake it over to your parking spot and they uh, they put it there and I guess mm-hmm. you put even a lock on it or something that not everybody uses yeah. it. I think what we're having here is people just pulling in and using our electricity in the market a lot. That's and, outrageous. Uh, I, I I think I think you'll probably see that price come down too because uh, there. Just think of the percentage of people that are like you. Uh, Nancy and I lived on a condominium for years and years, and uh, and so uh, to get to that population, somebody's going to come up with something creative like a mobile charger or something that you can roll up and charge your car, uh, and it ain't going to cost seven thousand dollars. But that's interesting. Now, let me ask you. Like in a four or five years, I traded my car usually every four or five years. I didn't trade in the Mercedes uh, 16 because of this wacky prices they wanted. I went to trade it and they wanted like a, a $15,000 over and above the 136000 they wanted for it. It's the higher end one. And uh, now I might trade it in, but these electric cars, are they, with the batteries going bad eventually, are they, uh, do they lose a lot more of their value in the trade in? Well, depending on the generation that you're buying, uh, just like the, the the driving range and the charging abilities, all this is improving. Uh, the one that with that is the longevity of the battery. So the, the answer is yes. Batteries will always wear out. There's probably going to be uh, a, char- a time, you know, when you're going to. But the same thing is true of transmissions and and engines and. And everything, every, everything eventually wears out, but the, the life of the batteries will, will get extremely long. You know, one, one little neat thing that uh, I don't think they do it anymore, but that, that solved that problem is you don't own your battery. You own the car and you swap the battery out. They did that in Israel. I thought it was a great idea, but it never caught on. Uh, instead of buying a car, you, so 
wanted to buy an electric vehicle, you buy a car with a, a battery that uh, you lease, uh, or you don't even lease it because you, when you go into a charging, instead of a charging station, it's like a gas station, guy runs out, pops the new battery in, pulls the old battery out, and charges it. So I thought that was really a cool idea. And they, it worked in Israel. They had one company doing that. But they have a lot of electric cars in Israel. My daughter was yeah, there yeah. six months ago before this problem happened over there. And uh, there are a lot of them. But you have to realize, too, Israel is a very small country. A big yeah. Country. yeah, they come up I, with some creative stuff. I used to go up to uh, um, New York in, you know, in, in like two days. One time we did it in one drive. We had three drivers in the car. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. The electric car right now is kind of like uh, that's one of their deficits. Yeah, it's not for everybody, and, and it won't be. Uh, it never will be for everybody, but uh, you won't have in 2025, not, not 2025, uh, Probably uh, a little after that, you won't be able to buy anything but an electric vehicle. Sixteen or eighteen states are making it illegal to sell a combustion engine car in 2025. So uh, right yeah. now, I think that's kind of uh, yeah. won't work for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you really need a car and drive a lot, uh, you yeah. can't stop and recharge it all the time at this at this point. But yeah. I think in the future they can. It might work. Yeah. Well, listen, you, you and your daughter have a great show there. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate Thank your you. listening and calling in. Uh, right, we, you're greatly appreciated. Okay. Interesting conversation. Thank you, Bob. Give us a call again. Uh, we're going to go to Roger, and uh, Roger's calling us from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Roger. Hey, good morning. How are you today? We're great. I got a, a mechanical question for Rick. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I own a 2017 uh, Nissan Quest, and um, basically uh, about a month ago or so, I, I, I'm a home mechanic, so I replaced the brake shoes, and I had the, this is the front wheel, the, dr the uh, rotors turned, okay, so I put, put everything back together, and uh, about a week later, I started getting this noise, a roaring noise. When you push on the brakes and you don't hear it till you almost come to a stop and it's getting louder as i go so i put it there was ceramic brakes so i'm asking what do you think is causing that problem hmm um when you when you replaced him the shims you made sure you transferred the shim plates over from the old pads the shiv plates that were on the brake pads right they should be on the back on the metal side of it not the friction side I didn't but on transfer them over it came with them oh it the came new, with new ones new brake pads. yes did you put a little bit of lubrication in between the shim plate and the pad yes okay and when you cleaned up the, the little ears where they mount up did you add a little bit on those as well yes yes i did hmm now, let me tell you this one thing, and I took it back, and they gave me another set, but one of the shivs came loose. If those shivs come loose, would that cause that kind of a noise? I, that is possible, yeah, because if, if it shifted, and when you apply the brakes, your, your rotors are always going to make a little bit of side-to-side -side motion anyways. So if it's got that, that little shim plate has moved and it's contacting the caliper, when it vibrates, of course, that could definitely make some odd noises. Uh, that'd be the is first that, thing I'd be looking at. Do you think? Uh, I'd, I'd be checking on those shim plates again to see if any of them have moved out of place. Okay. So it couldn't be the, the guy told me when he turned the, 
the rotors, he said that they were warped a little bit, but he was able to turn it out. So that couldn't, that that wouldn't be the problem, right? No, not if not if he turned them correctly, and as long as their thickness is still within specification, then you shouldn't have any problems there because. I, I resurface rotors all the time that are warped, uh, have thickness variations, whatever, and when you put it on the machine, if it's mounted properly on the machine, it grinds a thin layer of metal off and brings them back straight and true. Uh, the easiest way to check for that is get up to highway speed on a, on a road where you got a few moments where, you know, where it's safe to do this and kind of give a, a really good hard almost to a panic stop to where you're almost going to make the ABS kick in. And if your steering wheel stays nice and straight with a good hard application of the brakes, then you know those rotors are nice and straight. Okay. All right, thank you so much. And I'll check the, check the uh, shivs. Can I ask a second question? A real quick one. Real quick. On the same quest, the, um, I mounted a uh, trailer hitch. And um, it seems like to me it's dropped it's it's lowered a little bit since I put it on there, maybe a half inch or so. How can I raise get it? What would I have to do to get it back up where it should be, or is there any way I can get it higher? Uh, without looking at it, it'd be hard to say. But the again, first thing I'd be checking: recheck the torque on all your bolts. Make sure that they're torqued properly, because if something is loosened up, that may be dropping down and creating that gap for you. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Roger. Okay, we're going to go straight to the Mystery Shopping Report. Mystery Shopping Report is that uh, we did uh, Cochrane Kia in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I remind all those folks out there that we, we want you to listen to this and vote on it. And after the Shopping Report, uh, give us a vote A, B, C, D, or F if you fail them. Uh, I remind you every week that we score on the curve. And so there are no, uh, I started to say there's no absolutely terrible dealers, but there are. So No, definitely. <laughs> give them an F. A, <laughs> I started, there are no perfect dealers, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, understand that the average dealer is where we we, we, we draw the, the water line. So if he's an average dealer, we give him a C. If he's better than average, we give him an A or a B. If he's worse than average, we give him a C, D, or F. But uh, don't think in terms of absolute terms because it's very difficult. You can uh, vote at 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. Or, or YouTube.com forward slash rolling cars. And we get a huge number of votes there. We appreciate all you YouTubers out there. Rick monitors YouTube. So youtube.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Um, again, this is a mystery shop of Cochrane Kia in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And our agent Lightning is in that market up there now. She's, I think that's her home. And she's visiting. And so she's, uh, you know, having fun doing some mystery shops. Uh, I'll speak in the ter first term as if I were the mystery shopper. Her name is, undercover name, of course, is Agent Lightning. I arrived late in the afternoon and was greeted by a customer service representative uh, as, as opposed to a salesperson. Uh, she uh, warmly inquired, what can I do for you today? Eagerly, I responded, I'm hoping to see if you have any new Tellurides in stock today. She followed up with, is there a certain trim level you're looking for, and have you been in contact 
with anyone here at the dealership. Um, that's a courtesy to a salesperson that may have been dealing with you, uh, worked on providing you with information, uh, and uh, also to you because you'd probably like to continue with someone that you've already conversed with and not have to repeat yourself. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a positive. Um, I said, no, I haven't been in touch with anyone. After excusing herself, the customer service representative uh, walked uh, over to a salesman to see if he was available to assist a customer interested in the uh, Telluride, a Kia Telluride. They both approached uh, shortly after, and she introduced him. His name is Marty. Um, is going to help you. Hope you have a great evening. So uh, I'm now in Marty's hands. He says uh, he extended his hand, uh, greeted me, and invited me to join him at his computer. He kindly inquired, which features are you looking at in a Telluride? Uh, she's looking for, I was looking for something middle of the line. If you have it, I replied. Marty checked his inventory and excitedly shared, we have 12 in stock. Hmm. Now, I'll digress a little bit uh, here because uh, this is a time to buy a car. If you're a regular listener, you've been hearing me uh, for the past three years say next year was the time to buy a car, and I was wrong. And I'd say again, next year, and I was wrong. Finally, we're here. <laughs> next year is here. 2024 is a good time to buy a car. Uh, dealer profits are dropping, the markups are dropping, and the dealers are more competitive. Inventories are getting way up there. So now, if you've been waiting, now's the time to buy a car. Uh, but be careful. Listen to the show. Uh, look at our own cars.com. Get the information you need. Otherwise, you'll still take it and be advantage of it. Mean, in the past three years, you were going to pay a high price even if you were a good shopper. Now, if you're a good shopper and an informed consumer, you'll get a really good price. Um, so he's got 12 Telluride's in stock, which means, which is, you know, that's a lot of one model for any dealer. A year ago, you wouldn't hear this. Before proceeding to go uh, over all of them with me, I, I settled on the new 2024 Kia Telluride EXV6 AWD, all-wheel drive in blue. It just hit the lot less than an hour ago, he told me. I'll be right back with the keys, and we can go take a look. There was a Maroni label properly affixed to the car. If you're from South Florida, you won't see that very often. They take them off the car, which is a violation of federal law. But in uh, Cochran Kia in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the uh, Maroni label was where it was supposed to be. Uh, very hard to make out because the information was for the glare from the sun. However, I was able to see that the MSRP was $45,675. About three minutes later, he returned explaining the keys are still upstairs since they just arrived, but would you mind coming with me to take a look? Despite the weather, it was 40 degrees, we walked outside. Doors were locked, but I managed to glimpse inside through the window. I'm already mentioned, if you decide you want to buy it, if you have the time, we can rush the inspection and get the keys for you to drive it. Back inside, he requested my license. I handed him my floral license. It was much different up here, he observed. Unlike Florida, <laughs> this is really, I mean, it kind of makes me ashamed to be a Floridian. 
but uh, you regular listeners know it's, it's true. Now here's a, uh, a car salesman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, telling, telling a customer that unlike Florida, we have mandated fees. We can't overcharge for vehicles like Florida does. He shared stories of customers who flew in to purchase a vehicle and drive back home due to the savings. So that's what's been going on in case you were on Mars for the past three years and didn't hit the COVID thing and the uh, microchip shortage and all the other craziness. Uh, people are flying from Florida to Pennsylvania. I, had a, I ran into a person in the parking lot the other day that flew to Michigan to buy a car. Uh, I mean, it's crazy what people are, were doing not to get uh, taken advantage of if they live in Florida. But anyway, um, he explained we're buying this vehicle to keep up uh, here with our son, uh, keep here with our son. We're planning on registering and insuring it here uh, under his name, and I'll likely co-sign with him. After discussing financing and cash options, uh, Marty, the salesman, filled in a, a few numbers on his computer, then printed a worksheet for me uh, along with a window sticker. So it was hard to see the details from outside. The worksheet was refreshing to me. Uh, usually they're pretty tricky. So uh, this one was uh, refreshing. The top line was MSRP, and that's supposed to be uh, a guideline, uh, a benchmark to see what sort of a discount you're going to get. That's uh, what it was designed for when it became federal law in 1958. So the MSRP was $45,675. dollars There was a $1,061 discount labeled dealer discount. And it really is a dealer discount. They added sales tax, it's supposed to be, and uh, that was $676, and an estimated registration and fees. Now, I circle fees because there's always a question. Are they taxable fees or non-taxable fees? If they're non-taxable, their government fees are legitimate. If they're taxable fees, they're junk fees. So I circled that and we'll, we'll see about that as we go along the report. An asterisk indicated there was some fine, but not too fine, print. Actually, I looked at the photograph. The print wasn't fine at all on the worksheet, which indicated the estimate, estimated fees included, okay, here comes a junk fee, $464. They called it a dock fee. I call it a junk fee. Uh, a $58 notary plate fee, uh, again, a junk fee. Those are both taxable fees, uh, and that would be the acid test. And a $21.90 online registration fee, again, a junk fee. You add all those together, they're about $544, and uh, so the out-the-door price was 48413 $48, But remember, I'd gotten a discount, a, a dealer discount, which was uh, 1061 So they actually did discount it about $500 off of MSRP. And if we'd been having the show six months ago, that wouldn't have been the case. So prices are coming down. I thanked him for everything. And the out-the-door the, out price, by the way, was 48413 And I thanked him, and I left. I thought about my experience as I, I drove away. Marty was thoroughly professional, ensuring there was no pressure on me. He highlighted a $1,000, $61 discount and confirmed there were no dealer fees. Well, there were. Uh, 
uh, but uh, they were, uh, you know, I don't know why uh, this is in the written report. There were dealer fees, junk fees. He detailed all the fees at the bottom of the sheet and was eager to answer any questions I might have. Interestingly, he asked if there was anything about my previous cars that I didn't like, uh, my previous cars that I didn't like, a question I'd never been asked before. Now, uh, I'm, uh, this is a memo to myself after finishing this report to ask Agent Lightning in the future shops to persist a little bit because uh, even though there was a discount, the MSRP was the MSRP, and the, uh, even after small junk fees, there was a um, uh, discount, net discount off MSRP. I believe had she gone back to the salesperson and say, uh, I'm going to shop this car with another Kia dealer in Pittsburgh. There's probably three or four of them. And uh, uh, if your price is the lowest price, I'll buy from you. Can you check with your manager and see if he can sweeten the pot, do a little better? I believe she could have done better. So uh, we, need to, we need to push this a little bit. We just can't take it at face value. Even in Pittsburgh, and I'm not comparing them with South Florida or fl even Florida. Florida is terrible. South Florida is beyond terrible. Uh, and Pittsburgh uh, and Pennsylvania and most of the other towns are not as bad. But you're still going to have to negotiate. And competition is the way to negotiate. So there we are. Well, we're going to vote on this. And as I reminded you at the beginning of the Mr. Chopping Report, average dealers are C. Uh, better than average is a B or an A. A is really, really good. We've only got a handful of A dealers on our recommended dealer list, which, by the way, is at earloncars.com. Earloncars.com. We only have a handful of F's, failures, on Earl on Cars. If, if, if we give a dealer an F, they probably ought to be in the slammer because I, we only really give terrible dealers F's. A D is a bad, bad dealer. And, and F is a criminal dealer. So uh, uh, keep that in mind when you're thinking about the greed. Uh, we'll go out and see. Uh, uh, Rick, do you have any grades coming in yet? We are coming in with them. Uh, we're going to start with Bob from Maryland. He says B- minus for Cochrane Kia. And ah, here they come now. Doug Tesler says Ella gives him a B minus. Tom Steckel says B plus, good sales approach and minimal fees as compared with anything encountered in South Florida. Negan one, I say a B. Over here we have Tim Gilliland. What? No nitrogen? B. <laughs> Johnny Z. Fraidley, fair price, small fees, no add-ons. B plus. Scott H. Sr. says B. Mark Smith, B, decent Kia dealership. Guy Larrabee, I rate this as a B-plus on the curve because of the junk fees. The Oz man, discount was greater than the junk fees. Not too shabby. A-minus. Brian said Latko, B. Uh, Bill Broadhead says JM. I'm not sure what that grade is, but uh, okay. Doug Tesler, uh, oh, a Sim says a B from Doug Tesler, getting multiple votes in from Doug. Joseph Kelleher with a B. And Jonathan in Palm Coast, you don't have to fly to Pittsburgh to buy a car. 
You just have to be educated, look out for tricks, lies, and scams. Agent Lightning showed us the junk fees for even in Pittsburgh. The combination of no-pressure salesmen and junk fees will garner this dealership a B from me. A good deal or bad deal lies in the hands of an informed consumer. And for me, um, I'm going to say an A-. minus. I like this place. Mm. I think their dealer fees are pretty small. Mm-hmm. I think it's worthwhile. And from Frank and Jupiter Farms, looks like all dealerships have junk fees. Obviously worse than South Florida. For Pennsylvania, a B plus. And that's all that we have right here for the right. Nancy, what do you say? Well, I think it's your hometown, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I'm ready ready to go back. <coughs> ready to go back to Pins, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um I'm going to give them an A. Uh, this was really a, a nice mystery shop all the way around. Wow. Am I sure I heard that right? An A? You did indeed. Wow. A. Wow. <laughs> You're not a little hometown prejudice? Red there? letter day. <laughs> <laughs> a little geographical bias. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give them a B minus. I, I almost gave them a B. Uh, I think that uh, I think I think if we press that a little bit, I, I I think we probably would have those junk fees taken off. If 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 she pressed it and they take the junk fees off, I don't, I might have given them a B. Uh, I I want to remind all of you, if you weren't listening earlier, that we are recommending that you go into the market and start educating yourself. Don't start buying. Start building your information uh, as to the car you want, and then start shopping. It is a good time to buy a car. Uh, the 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 last quarter profit reports on the largest car dealers: uh, AutoNation, uh, Ashbury, Group One, Lithia, Penske. These are the big boys. AutoNation uh, profits plunged 35 percent. Uh, the profit per car has dropped uh, precipitously. Uh, the uh, average price of a new car sale has gone down thousands of dollars. So uh, you you had to be desperate to buy a car a year ago. Today is a good time. It, 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 it's just going to get better. Uh, the uh, amount of cars inventory is soaring. Uh, dealers are looking at, at three times, four times, ten times as many cars as they had. So... Uh, that's you, you, all the ingredients for a good deal are falling into place, and just follow our advice and shop carefully. Uh, be sure you get prices from at least three dealers out the door, and uh, you can buy a car in 2024 at a really good deal. Hey Earl, uh, Frank from Jupiter Farms was asking, please ask Earl if he knows Mark Drusicki, who had a Toyota dealership in Iowa. I met Mark yesterday. Wow. Uh, I don't think I know him, although for some reason it sounds vaguely familiar. You know, dealers get together and you know, I get, we have a lot, we have national meetings and uh, we, we travel to these meetings. So you, you run into all sorts of people. Uh, he'd be from a different group of dealers because the dealers in the Southeast United States are under Southeast Toyota, which is a regional distributor. And Iowa is under uh, the Toyota manufacturer directly. So uh, 
uh, Southeast Fed distributors buys their cars from Toyota, and then they sell their cars to us dealers in the Southeast region. So, hmm. But it does sound familiar. I probably met him at a national meeting or something. Small world. Yeah. Uh, do we have a, a quick time for, uh, I, I know we're almost out of time, but uh, Big Dog Ranch Rescue uh, has been remiss in not getting us a, a video for a dog. And we spoke to them before the show, and they're going to be back providing us with a, a video for a big dog ranch rescue uh, again next week. And it's very important to us because big dog ranch rescue is the biggest no-kill shelter of any shelter in the world. I mean, uh, certainly the United States. They keep dogs there for years and years. They don't euthanize the dogs, and they desperately need to find homes. So if you can foster a dog for a couple of weeks or you can adopt a dog uh, we we pay the adoption fees, uh, which are about two hundred dollars. They have a <clears throat> sometimes they have sales for less. But uh, Big Dog Ranch Rescue there at actually Loxahatchee, Florida. Look at the website, BigDogRanchRescue.com or BDRR.com. BigDogRescue.com. Dot org. Dot org. I'm sorry. Dot org. O R G. Yeah. Okay. I think we're ready to wrap it up. Uh, we have a couple of minutes left. Oh, oh do we? Wanna okay. Well, let me go. Let me go. Pick up a, one of those uh, copies to, that you yeah shared uh, with me this morning. Yeah, I touched on this last week, but it's a interesting fact of life. Uh, in fact, I touched on it earlier talking about the Cadillac Escalade. Uh, just because a car is not a great car and gets a lot of high scores by Consumer Reports doesn't mean that you're going to love it. Uh, uh, Nancy and I love our Tesla, and quality-wise, it can't hold a candle to other type cars with combustion engines. Uh, it's, uh, it's not as reliable, but we love it. Uh, and uh, so when we tell you don't buy this car, uh, buy what you love. I mean, if you can afford the additional repairs, additional insurance, go ahead and buy it. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, uh, the best cars, uh, the owner satisfaction, the highest owner satisfaction is on the Rivian electric vehicle. Uh, I mean, a lot of you wouldn't buy those on a bet. Uh, uh, the the Mini, the BMW. So uh, drive the car, look at the facts, look at the reliability, look at the cost of ownership, but also look at, do you love the car? You buy a car because you want to have fun. You want to enjoy your car. So uh, check Consumer's Report. And you can find out not only which is the least expensive, the most reliable, but also the one that you love the most. Yeah. March edition, your top-rated cars, SUVs, and trucks. So pick it up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this morning. We enjoy your company. And we'll be right back here next week at 8 a.m., same time, same station. Have a great weekend.